welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. All right, well, welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Chris Ariola. 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 Mm-hmm. Chief Operating Officer at Tactical Oilfield Communications. And before we get going, me and Chris were kind of laughing here because we both have last names that are a little bit hard to pronounce and, and most often mispronounced. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of got off on the same track and we were able to identify with each other a little <laughs> bit. So for all the folks out there, you heard it, how he spelled or he pronounced his last name. And for me, it's Gautier. So for everyone out there that were saying Gauthier and however else you would have pronounced Chris's name, now you know. Now you know. Now you know. Well, <laughs> Firstly, Chris, so normally when we record, I've got quite a few in the bank. And so this one typically would have been posted maybe in two or three months from now. And for okay. the listeners out there, it's it's March 20th, which unless you've lived in a freaking bubble and like haven't heard what the hell is going on, we're sure. experiencing some some pretty historic, chaotic times right now. And so what I'm going to try and do is release this one next week, just because I think it's going to be relevant. And, okay. and I think people, you know, can hopefully identify with what we're going through. And I think talking current events, certainly, you know, it's something worth talking about. And, and, uh, for sure. you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, misery loves company. So, you know, it hasn't been easy for me and my family. How's things been for you guys? So I kind of foresaw this coming. Okay. How uh, so? Just in a sense that 12 years in the military, we did. a. Thank you, you for know, your service, by the way. I uh, appreciate that. Thank you for letting me represent, you know, this great country. So yes, sir. One of the things is that after all the training in 12 years, being deployed in wartime, war zones, these are troubling times. And when it comes to viruses and bio threats to any nation, any any individual, I mean, these things are going to take place. Right. So, you know, everyone has a responsibility. And so it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around it. Like kind of what we were saying earlier, it's hard to understand the threat when you can't see the threat, mm-hmm. which makes it probably 10 times more dangerous of course and the level of uncertainty just and the, puts fear and the level of uncertainty is just who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, not to put fear in the world i mean i think people already kind of got their own fears in their minds of what's what's coming but yeah but this you know potentially could be big it could be a blip on the map in in our history yep and i think we all have a role to play at some point right so most definitely you know, more importantly, health of the family. You guys mm-hmm. are okay. Yeah, everyone's uh, good. You know, we took the being having that military mindset, and, and you know, something we've also put in our you know business is we're always ready. Yeah, it's kind of like being the Boy Scout model. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Right. Uh, so I prepared the family several weeks ago. Wow. Uh, so just, how how when you say several weeks ago, like explain how? Like you said, you kind of seen this coming. When you had to, when the first sort of case or when they started the rumbling start happening in the news, did you know right then and there, like, hey, we need to hunker down or how'd you? Well, after being in the service so long, you, you already have an idea of how from that end, okay. things work from a government's perspective. Interesting. And so being deployed, how we operate in, 
you know, other nations and other countries during wartime. I have a good understanding of the logistics, how we how we move forward, how things are steadily implemented. Right. Okay. So this is something that even in the service, we've always it's a part of just like safety. Right. It was a part of our training. We constantly trained on these threats and these situations because warfighters have to know what, you know, be prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. And if we have those type of capabilities, obviously an enemy has those type of capabilities. Right. So from my perspective and my family's protection, I just felt like, okay, be prepared, have everything we need to be, be ready. And then as the events unfold, those restrictions will, you know, slowly be enforced. And right. so we're already ready. Wow. There's Good for the, you guys. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I think for everyone, you know, it's just, whether it's your family or your company or it's just leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And it starts from the top. So I just step up. Yeah. And hey, these just outline, hey, these are the things we're going to do. Follow these guidelines. And then obviously the guidelines come out that they want you to follow. But of course, so that's how we were ready. Good for you. So did you go out and buy toilet paper right away? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's so funny, right? Um, <laughs> well, it's I say that comically, but I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that water. Well, I mean, think of, I mean, I, I would imagine like the WalMarts and the Targets and you know the retail markets of the world probably first you would have thought they first saw that it's their number one selling item in their store, right? So so they would have ramped up production. You hopefully. would you would have thought, but I don't think anyone expected it to happen so fast. So it's yeah. understandable. Sure. Um, did I go buy it right away? Probably not. Uh, do I have enough to last a little while? I do. Yeah. How I think, long? But how long does this last? No one really knows. So yeah, there was no reason for I felt like for us to hoard like two months worth of toilet paper. So. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I joke, but of course that's. I mean, you see it all over social media and people talking about it. It's sad but true. But you know, it's interesting, and I'm sure your family is super grateful for for you leading and taking charge, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, having that sort of that military mindset of always being prepared. That probably that skill set probably you know transfers into you know your day to day, which mm-hmm. obviously it does into work and stuff like that. But you know, I'm interested to hear from your standpoint and not like politically at all, but as a nation, as as people, as civilians. Have we done a good job on this? Or like, like do we do you think people need to hunker down even more? Obviously, you're here. So you're, you're comfortable being in society. I mean, a lot of states are like literally saying unless you have to by any means necessary, leave your house, don't leave your house. Like, what's well, your thought? Yeah, on that? It kind of goes back to I think governor of New York was on yesterday. And mm-hmm. one of the things he's told his kids, like with the risk, there's reward. And you have to be willing to accept the risks or so right now I feel like, you know, yeah, being here, I didn't foresee there being a lot of risk as far as getting into my truck, which I've already disinfected and right. I haven't left my house in seven days pretty okay. much. So wow. well, uh, you look pretty good for not leaving your house in seven days. <laughs> yeah, I, haven't, I haven't gone crazy yet. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Limit the contact, you know, do the social distancing things, wash. Yeah. After this, I'll probably do what a healthcare worker is going to do. Take their clothes off, take a shower, wash my clothes. Yeah. Just, you know, there's your family's most important. And mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is have that in my mind. Yes. So. Perfect. Uh, just, you know, I think people have a responsibility. Now, whether the country itself or other individuals are doing that, I don't really speak for them. For sure. But everyone does play a part in this situation. 
Most definitely. Uh, this is not a, like, like we said, it's not a physical threat. There's not an army standing at the door waiting and we can see it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or these are storm coming off the coast to ravage, you know, like Harvey yes. in Houston, but this is an unseen one and it's definitely clear and present yeah. in the world. And I think people should just at least take the, the heat of caution so that we all can because it's going to look different after this is over. It is. It's certainly going to change people's perspectives and, and at least for the short term, how mm -hmm. people even live. You know, it's crazy because I, so I was with my boss yesterday. We do every Thursday. We try and do tennis, which the guy who coaches us and, and who does our lessons, he didn't come because <laughs> he thought that the Cinco Ranch High School's tennis courts were locked down, which they weren't. Ah, so okay. anyway, I say that to say this, his sister-in-law works for Memorial Herman mm -hmm. and they had a pandemic expert like one of the very few apparently in the nation come speak to them okay. about what's happening. And from his professional, you know, through his research and through his experience and what he knows and his judgment on things, he thinks that Houston actually went through a mini coronavirus episode last fall. And he oh, believes wow. that this is something that's been lagging. Now, the obvious question is, well, why didn't it spread then? Well, apparently mm -hmm. there's two strains. There's right. an L and yeah. an S. So without okay. getting on to, you know, the yeah. very, the biology and all that craziness behind it, you know, I got to thinking and myself included amongst a few other folks that I know last November, December, a lot of people ended up experiencing respiratory issues and had coughs and stuff like that, that through with medication and antibiotics and stuff actually didn't cure and so apparently their strain has been kind of floating around kind for of a while. And or yeah, yeah. And, hmm. and, and, I, and, and even then I thought back and I said, well, that's crazy because I remember being in a conference call one morning and I was fighting a cold and mm -hmm. nothing I was taking, like the regular over-the-counter stuff that normally zaps right. it for me. And I'm a pretty health-conscious guy, so I'm pretty in tune with what I know helps me mm -hmm. fight certain colds and this and that. Well, nothing was working. And I was in a conference call and I started coughing and just like, respiratory issues like it just i couldn't stop so i ripped over to the like the walk-in clinic told them what was yeah. going on and and they said you know it sounds like a respiratory infection right i said okay and they so they gave me like this that like a whole slew of, of prescriptions well it took me over two weeks to get over to and get i remember over. being in bed with flu-like symptoms for like two days i got over it but it was the worst cold that i had ever had yeah, and so i think back and i'm like Either it's coincidence or there's some merit of truth to that. And there probably is some merit to that truth. I think I, in, what is it, December, probably November, I, I think I ran into this, I kind of ran into the same thing and I, I swore it was the flu. Yeah. But, and when I went to, you know, my doctor or whatever, he's like, oh, it's just got an upper respiratory infection. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like that. Right. But I mean, so maybe, you know, yeah. so I mean, it doesn't change what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't change the moment. Right. right. So, but, but, but what it's I, interesting, that's an interesting perspective is that it's been underlying already. Right. But a different strain possibly or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's probably more people running around that probably have it than we know. But yeah. And know. with now all these these testing plays that are popping up, the numbers are just continuing to exponentially. Increase. Well, it'll grow because you don't know. Right. So, yeah, um, for sure. And that's understandable. It's just halting it. And yeah. I think that's the biggest, you know, how do we, and if it's an airborne type deal, then yeah, it's keeping your distance. Hey, so. that's exactly right. <laughs> well, this is an oil filled podcast, everyone. Yeah. We are getting Sorry. there, but uh, no, I, I just think this is good topic and, and people are at home on phones and, and it's just something that I feel like, you know, was, was worth mentioning and then just chatting because out of my genuine curiosity, I'm always yeah. interested in, in people's take on what's going on. 
But with that being said, like I said, you're with Tactical Oilfield Communications. Before we dive deep into what you know, what you do in your story and background, how would you define oilfield communications? Like, what does that even mean? Because I think that's such a broad term. So, what what does communication mean to you with your experience and how you approach things? So, when we came up, you know, and I appreciate the being here and being on the podcast. So, yeah, I, I'm grateful for that. Well, certainly. So, when it comes, to, yeah, oilfield communications, and like you said, it is a broad term. And so, we were looking at something that. You know, some may say that oil field kind of pigeonholed you. I understand that. And more or less, we are a technology communication company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while that being said, and it's a part of our name, we do way more than that. And obviously, we kind of demonstrate that through our LinkedIn website and things like that. So, yeah. But as far as oil field communications, I mean, there's a broad spectrum of what that entails. Okay. Everything from providing just simple internet services to phone services but then do you have, you know, these machines and systems that run on some kind of network and how do you connect to that? So basically our biggest mission when we thought about it was take what we had learned or what I have learned 12 years in the army mm-hmm. as being a communication expert, basically for everything from radio communications to satellite communications to networking and then some of those other professional elements that you learn and traits and bring that to the oil field. Right. And by doing that, I mean, for many years, when I was stationed at Fort Hood, one of our commanders would be like, well, we are essentially the AT&T and Verizon of the military. Yeah. So we have customers to support. So I've always, you know, grew up in this mindset just because we're wearing a uniform today. But the unit I'm attached to, they're my customer. Yeah. So we've all, I've always sense. had that underlying sense of purpose. Why are we doing this? And, and a lot of in the oil and gas is if you can't connect these individuals, these systems, they can't look at data mm-hmm. that, that drives the market or drives their numbers or their business. So our mission basically is, you know, take this oil, the military stuff, Combine it with our oil field partners and our and our knowledge and bring a solid, reliable connectivity solution that basically connects people, systems, and data. Interesting. Okay. You know, to put it very simply, right? So right. That's where we're at. Yeah. And that's extremely important. I mean, especially with the oil field being, you know, nine out of ten times, unless you're in Midland, because there's rigs inside the city limits. Yeah, but yeah. but for the most part, it's it's remote, right? And it's I mean, all remote. Be, being from remote. Canada, being in the bush, oh, yeah. um, back in the early 2000s, it was like, you know, that was when cell phones were still trying to figure out, you mm-hmm. know, where they fit and how they, you know, there were still a lot of bugs to take out. But but being remote and trying to figure out a way to connect people and have information being transferred. Yeah, it's so important. And I still feel, and it boggles my mind that we can fly to the moon, but my mud engineer that that I'm trying to talk to out in West Texas still can't make a damn phone call. Yeah, and hopefully, it's, hopefully it's weird, maybe, right? like, why is that? Like, how? how? So, so if we kind of break it down a little bit, obviously the telecommunications market has made great strides. I mean, from, I'm assuming you're probably about the same age as me and, you know, got to see the World Wide Web come to be yeah cell phones come to be right uh, we've made the, the you know drastic moves forward in technology and communication i mean we live in I, I tell my older children that we live in the age of information 
Mm-hmm. Anything and everything you ever want is at your fingertips. Most definitely. Whereas when I was growing up in school before the, you know, and the internet was like just rudimentary, you know, bare, you know, you have to go to the library to get the internet in high school. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. I hear about <laughs> And I didn't that. have a, there was no computer in my house. Right. So, you know, it's my dad would be like, there's the book, there's an encyclopedia Britannica. Go read that <laughs> yeah. and find out. Start flipping pages, boy. All right. So that's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah. So we've come so far, but we still have a long way to go, right? Yeah. Um, I think where there's big gaps, if we're talking about, say, the oil field in, in general, is that it's because it's so remote. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard where this industry goes and finds you know, these assets and you know, oil and gas that you are going to expect that there's this communication link to the world. Yeah. So... It has gotten better, I would say, from when I started in the business and the industry in 2005 to now. It's drastically changed, big time. There are there pockets that we still operate in that that you're not going to have service or cell phone or your mud engineer can't make that call. Right. Absolutely. There's still some gaps there, right? So companies like ourselves, you know, tactical. We have partnerships, national partnerships, and technology that help bridge that gap. Cool. So, and you know, there are other service companies that do the same. So it just takes time as technologies progress, there's new technologies coming, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and all these guys, they're actually, you know, seeing that and they're expanding because I've had conversations with EMP companies that say, well, I mean, I pay good amount of money for cell phone services for my employees. They should honor their part of the, and then put a tower there, Yeah. you know, sure. vice versa, you know, and I get that. So hmm Okay. So let's back up even a little bit further. Okay. You know, are you from Houston area? Or? Born and raised in Houston, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's so rare. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it is. So you must love H-Town. I love it. It's a big city now. Yeah, yeah. yeah when is. I was growing up, it wasn't so big. Okay. Where was that? So I grew up just south of town. Okay. Um, it's pretty much now Pearland, where I grew up. Okay. Uh, shout out to Fresno Arcola. So there you that's, go. <laughs> uh, but I went to Sugarland and school. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the Rangers at uh, Clements High School. Yes, sir. In uh, Sugarland. So okay. uh, graduated from there. Good. Uh, but yeah, born and raised in Houston. Nice. Uh, I like that. Traveled halfway around the world and came back. So is this what you consider God's country? Well, someone once asked me if I would ever consider living anywhere else. Okay. And I said, not unless they make another Texas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> People in Texas love Texas, which yeah. I, you know, living here now, I, I certainly can identify. So you grew up in, in Houston. So, so you, you got into the, to the army and then got into communication. So growing up was communication and stuff like that of interest to you or did it, were you just, did you kind of fall into it or how, what does that look like? Yeah. So I've always had, as I was growing up this I wouldn't say technical, but I would say more of an engineering mindset. Okay. I always like to tinker with things before Legos became really big. I was I had tons of that. I like building tons of, you know, whatever my mind could create. Yeah. And then as I got a little older and I was in high school, I was just like, well, originally I wanted to fly fighter jets for the Navy. Oh, cool. Uh, I think at, at any point in time, like yeah, kids' dreams I mean, to yeah, do that. So, so yeah. I, you know, my, I had an uncle that was in the Navy. He's retired 30 years. Uh, okay. So I had this role model as I grew up that was like, oh, yeah, that'd be, that's awesome, you know. And then, you know, come to find out, well, I don't have 20-20 vision as I grow up. Okay. So those hopes and aspirations are gone. 
So I found another aspect. And the one thing, you know, a lot of, you know, some people say that when they joined the service, their recruiter was their worst friend, you know, they're like, how did I get into it? But yeah, actually, yeah. you know, I was, cause I was in the ROTC program at Clements High School there. And what we, you know, we had some pretty good recruiters that kind of called on the school and he took me to this unit here in Houston. I had originally joined Texas National Guard first. Okay. So he said, well, look, you live in Texas. You obviously know how to use a gun. I don't need to teach you that. And you hunt. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and he said, but let's give you something you can take with the rest of your life, like, you know, and take with you. Cool. And so I was like, he went, took me for a tour and kind of let me talk to some people, show me what they were doing. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And so that's the route I took. And joined at 17. So I was still in high school when I joined. And Holy then smokes. after, you know, like after everyone else, after graduation, basically three days later, everyone's having a good time, happy they're out of school. I was learning how to run technical systems and training on military equipment to, you know, support warfighters. Wow. Good for you. That's yeah. crazy. Especially at such a young age where your parents, cause so you deployed then or how would it? No. So you don't really deploy at first, you know, you go through okay. your, boot, your basic, you know, boot camp basically. And then you go through your technical training about what your job specific job is for the service. Right. So I, after graduation, basically went and did that and then came back and, you know, did the, as they call them weekend warriors, you know, okay, once a month, two weeks a year, did you know until until 98 so gotcha okay that makes sense well hey look i just want to take a quick break if you like coffee out there and you don't want to pay for it i have a deal <laughs> for you leave me a review send me a message letting me know you left a review and i'll buy you a coffee we may have to have a coffee date over zoom or skype but once this thing clears up i'm down to meet and let's have a coffee so uh, if not that's cool too i'm extremely grateful that you're listening and i actually have a, a review that someone posted recently here and I had to laugh and I'm not sure who this person is, but I love it. It says the subject was what happened to the wooey. And so they said, I'm disappointed you've left out the wooey from your sign off. Let her rip and don't be shy. I love it. And then so they said, that being said, you do a great job making it feel like we're right in the conversation with you. The personal questions are just as interesting as the professional question. And it helps me relate to the people on the show. Keep up the good work and let's sign off back to its original glory. Fracken ND. So I'm assuming you're a completions hand from North Dakota. I'm definitely going hit to hit you with an ooey at the end of this, and I'm going to keep it going. So thank you for reminding me that. I got to stay true to my roots. So I'm going to keep doing that. But if you're ever in Houston, fracking Andy, hit me up, and I'll love to buy you a coffee. So getting back to the story here, so you do the Army. So what does the transition look like from you going from that into the oil field? Because, you know, it's, I mean, you probably could have done a lot of different things, but what, how did that turn out? Well, it's kind of difficult at the time how you know i was going to transition back to the states so i was okay. actually living in germany oh wow and you know trying to find a job so far away back home when you haven't lived in the states for over five years mm -hmm. and haven't lived in houston in almost 10 Be you, you kind of lose some connectivity to the city what's going on yeah and what's interesting is i never even being that oil and gas is big in Houston, as I was growing up, it wasn't a big part of our my life. Okay, parents weren't. My parents weren't in that business. Okay, my grandparents and my great grandparents were in that business. So, but they were already retired, didn't really talk much about it. And I was a kid; I wasn't really interested. But found a job when I got back, working for I was a technician, field technician, 
And it was in oil and gas, serving oil sites on and offshore. Okay. And there was uh, many nights on long drives coming back to town. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, there's got to be a better way. Right. And, you know, I ended up at another company and was there for quite a while. And it felt really good. We were starting something new and we brought a different approach to it. So we were able to kind of take that thought and idea and we ran with it. Mm. Uh, it wasn't just my idea. I mean, it was a conglomerate of other individuals, but I mean, we were able to uh, change the market in, in a sense wow. with our com- with that company. Very cool. And from uh, a communications from a communications perspective, yeah. even though that wasn't their sole business, right? So, but that was the business and the department we were in. Cool. So good for you guys. Yeah. So we did that, and and so that's how I came to be in the oil and gas. Okay. So then what, you know, you were obviously with a pretty, you know, decent size company, you know, relatively stable, I'm just going to assume. Yeah. Then you go into tactical oil field communications. Were they a startup at the time? And, and did you kind of get headhunted? Or did you and a group of guys say, you know what, we see a gap in the market, we can capitalize? How, how'd that go down? So I mean, kind of looking at one of the brain ch- children of that of this situation. So communications you know some companies that that's just can be an afterthought Mm -hmm. it could be a small portion of their their overall relative business right whereas i wanted to i finally just decided that hey it might be the right time for me and a couple guys that yeah it's a couple guys that in the past we've worked really well together and and we're like hey if we ever want to do this kind of on our way and you know would you know let's let's talk about that when the time's right Mm -hmm. and so last year there it came up. I met with a couple of them and not all of them are on the team, okay. but we all stay in contact. We're all in the same industry. And so those that decided to make that jump, they're they're here and made the changes or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so that's how we started Tactical. I mean, it was a group of guys that just felt like there's a better way. We, okay. can, we can provide, you know, not just the communications part, but provide it in the manner that the customer is asking us to do it. And in a sense, the way they're in paying for the service. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so that was, how long ago did you guys start? So started, I'd say we probably, I'd say I started the thought and idea and the process in April of last year. Wow. Okay. So how's it been the last year? And, and I mean, what would you say the biggest challenge is right now? I mean, even, you know, because between the last downturn and I would call this, I guess, downturn B, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. you know, because I don't think we really even got out of A, um, <laughs> but what's some of the biggest challenges you guys are faced with right now? I mean, is it, t- is it a tough market? Well, I think uh, oil and gas is always a tough market. It's definitely an industry that you, know, you have to prove yourself a little bit. Mm, yeah, big time. Uh, before a lot of people give you a lot of recognition. Yeah. Even though I've been in the business 15 years and people know who I am, I mean, that. Yeah. I understand that. But we have no, had no complaints. Good. If anything, we have had nothing but praise for the clients and customers we've had. Good. Just to quote one of them, these aren't my words. And the gentleman could be my grandfather, <laughs> probably my great grandfather. Right? No kidding. <laughs> but he's like, been in this business a long time. No one's done it this, as good as you guys have done it. Man, that's and, that's and, music and to just, ears now. And I just said, man, I I really appreciate those words. Like that helped me that moment in that day. Yeah, you know, because as an entrepreneur, you learn more than you think. You you think you're ready, and you're not always ready. Yeah, and there's always a twist and turn. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good education, life experience, journey, 
adventure all yeah. wrapped in together and then on top of the rest of what's going on in everyone else's life in the world uh, it's it's interesting yeah no kidding so for tactical who's your ideal client you know what what kind of sets you you guys apart and you said there's other people in the industry doing that yeah. i went to oilcom last year and i think it was kind of mind-blowing on how many you know satellite companies communications companies you know, drone companies, like people that are trying to just be able to, to connect, you know, the information and being mm -hmm. able to communicate. So yeah, how do you guys set yourself apart? Isn't it such a demanding market right now? So large GMPs wouldn't necessarily be our main customer. Okay. Could we support them? Yes. But that's not our first go after our pick or choice or conversation. Okay. More or less the smaller, independent, mid-sized companies, right? So a lot of times these companies don't get a lot of attention and they kind of scramble and they just take what they can get, how they can get it. Okay. And so, you know, partly bridge a gap, provide them the same amount of level of service and quality product that even a major would have. Mm. Right. Yeah. So that they, from that standpoint are on an even playing field as far as what their operations is or how do they get from A to B, how does their consultants do the same things that everyone else is doing? For sure. Yeah. Okay. And so what are the services that you guys provide? So we do provide very similar services to other companies. I mean, primarily the main services are satellite and LTE, okay. cellular. Yep. And then we provide intercom services for drilling and then also phone and internet. Obviously it comes with all of those items and then cell phone repeater services. Okay. What so is that? basically like... Like you were saying, you can't get your mud engineer to make a phone call off his <laughs> cell phone, right? So yeah. basically there are products, technology that's available that we can bring in that signal, you know, even if it's a low signal and then reboost it locally so ah. that the cell phones actually work a little better. A lot of guys use the in-home ones and those are great too, but then there's also industrial ones that you can use. So we do some of that. That's the oil and gas side of things. And then... As far as other avenues, you know, you have SCADA connectivity, but how does that data get back? Mm. Um, fleet connectivity, do I, how does your, your, your team operate in the field, say, whether it's a water trunk, pump truck, you know, what are you doing with that fleet and how does all that connect when you pick up water, yep. oil, how, you know, how am I transferring that? Interesting. And okay. then emergency response. So, ah, yeah. So we also, our, our partnerships we are able to provide first net opportunities for first responders, city organizations, local governments. So we have the ability to come in and do their vehicles. And I think we've done, we've already done some of that already. I think everyone's seen what we've done in Midland hmm. on our LinkedIn phase. So yeah, yeah. no, that's good. You so guys those are some of the services that we provide and we do project based stuff too. So okay. if a client has a specific need for a specific project, then we bring the team in and say, okay, Let's look at it. What technologies are available? How can we bridge that gap? And okay. how do we put it together and piece it? So very cool. So you guys can come up with certain, you know, packages designed to spec depending on what the that's customer right. wants. So Correct. That yeah. no, that that's being flexible and being because every everyone's operations is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Everyone's sure. requirements are a little different. So having the ability to be nimble like that, I'm mm -hmm. sure, adds a lot of value to the marketplace. So I've got a couple more questions more on the, okay. on the personal side of yeah. things, but, you know, outside of, you know, being a CEO, running a company, you know, being a busy, you know, you said you've got kids, but do you have any daily habits or routines that help keep you focused and motivated to keep grinding every day? 
That's a good question. <laughs> the first thing is, you know, the first thing I would say to everybody is just is to get up. Yeah. To get up and look in the mirror and say, today is my day. Nice. And so I do my best with that every day because there's no one that if you want something, if you really want it bad enough, at once thought I, I knew what that was. Yeah. <laughs> but I know more about what it is today, like how how I'm able to drive and it's more than that, right? It's mm -hmm. like you work so hard at one thing, you're not going to let it go. So I've worked myself to that point to where I've worked so hard. There's no way there's a turn back. Mm. And then just there's this little reminders, pray every day. Yeah. Be thankful for the blessings and the people that are in your life that have come into your life, that have left your life. They, they all leave a mark. For sure. And be flexible in learning. Yeah. Is a big one. Your way is not always the right way. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've, that's a lesson I've definitely learned in life. Yeah. Good. Uh, but learning, I like learning. So I like learning new things. And if I don't know something, I dive deep into it and try to figure out how to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, no, so having that, the humility yeah. to, to identify that is tough for a lot of people. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, but so much to know, like you're not going to know everything. So I mean, yeah. those are, there's some driving factors, I think, you know, but the main thing is just making sure you get up and, and you know, tell yourself today is my day. Nice. So, so mindset for you is it's obviously certainly a, important. Yeah, it's definitely a mindset, and it's not easy every day. I mean, oh yeah, no, we wake. Yeah, I hear you, man. Sometimes you wake <laughs> up on the wrong side of the bed, and and you know you got a bunch of stuff to do, and you know you may be pressured or have you know stressful things going on at work, personal life, but you know you can't always change what happens. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can control is how you react. And that's exactly right. So right? Uh, like, it's just like right now. It's like you can't control it. Especially, you know, if we're talking about the oil and gas in industry itself, the mm -hmm. market is, you know, we didn't we didn't make the situation ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of other players involved, yeah. uh, but uh, here we are, right? So right, no, that's certainly true. Well, one last question I do have yeah. is: is what's something about you that not many people know about? You got any good hidden secrets or any unique hobbies you'd like to unleash to the <laughs> podcast world? <laughs> do I have any unique hobbies or things that people don't know much about me? Well, my kids think I'm a nerd in some in some <laughs> aspect. But nerds are cool. But nowadays. that's what I try to tell them. Nerds rule the world a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not necessarily. I don't consider myself a nerd. I just like to learn. Yeah. Hey, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, you said you hunt. Yeah, we hunt. I mean, but it's a typical hunt, you know, okay. deer and stuff like that. I mean, that's. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a, the biggest hunter in the world, but I like, you know, I like the camaraderie, hanging out with my friends and doing that in the family. But yeah, I don't know. I'd say that I'm a welder now. Okay. You <laughs> I, just randomly started welding? Well, or yeah. I mean, I built a fence and a gate at the house. And, Dude, let's see. That's And cool. I was like, let's see how this all plays out. And man, it turned out pretty well. No so, way. Yeah, it was really good. And everyone's like, how did, that, how did you come? Did you always weld? I was like, no, I just started one day and said, I'm going to do it. Hey, you always got to be learning and trying new things. Because yeah. there's a saying, and I'm probably going to butcher it, is, there's no such thing as, a, as an old dog, as long as they keep learning new tricks. Oh, well, I mean, if you have that mentality, you'll be around for a long time. I'm planning past 100. Yeah, like, I'm, my goal that's is good. post 100. Hey, that's great. That's, yeah. great. that's a great outlook. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I was talking to my mom yesterday. She's in New Zealand right now and she's 70 something years uh -huh. old and she's like stressed to the nines because yeah. she's in New Zealand. She's going to try and come visit us here in Houston, but she's got a home in Mexico and so she's like trying to figure out her world travels mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And so, you know, as people get older, 
their ability to adapt to change is becomes a little bit tougher. Yeah, um, and harder. so she, she's doing okay, but she, I can tell there's, there's a level of stress there that, that I haven't quite seen. <laughs> um, you know, she's like, well, if I, if I go to the States, is, is Trump going to throw me in a cage for two weeks? Oh, and, you know, it just, yeah. you know, and, and you. whoever, you know, the president would be at the time, it's just like, she's worried about her being quarantined and this and that. And, and she's like, you know, I'm healthy and, and I'm probably healthier than all the, half of the <laughs> country. And they're going to put me in quarantine. And, you know, she's stubborn and old Ukrainian farm girl. So, but I told her, I said, mom, you are probably very, you, you are healthy. We both know that you don't take medication. That's true. And, and so it, it, it kind of reminded, and she said, you know, I've been working my whole life to make sure I'm healthy when I'm older. And, mm. and it kind of was, it was an interesting take and, and everything we do, you know, now until, you know, the day that God decides enough is enough is setting us up for longevity. Right. And so like earlier you said, you know, you just started eating a little healthier because I, I noticed too, you know, on your LinkedIn compared to now, you look like you've lost a little weight and, and even look a little healthier. And so, you know, it's, it's good to do those things and realize abundance of things we don't need not, is not necessarily a good way to create longevity, whether it's drinks or food or different habits and stuff like that but yeah it's it, it was just interesting in yeah. talking to her and and like i said so my goal now is 100 it was 95 but i think i can push 100 so we'll see <laughs> so uh well, that's a good goal yeah exactly well uh, look i just got a few i want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming events which now are canceled or delayed so you know go ahead and, and we'll explain that right now Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck for the next month. We have some exciting things coming up, two happy hours, one in Pittsburgh and one in Denver. So the first one will be happening on March 22nd at Bubba's Gourmet Burgers and Beer. This event will be from four to seven and will feature a live recording of Oil and Gas This Week with Jake Corley and Mark LaCour. So be sure to check that out. You can sign up via our social medias. We have an Eventbrite sign up and should be good to go from there. The next event will be a happy hour in Denver at Liberty Oilfield Services on April 2nd. Once again, check our social medias for the Eventbrite sign up and sign up there. As some of our social media followers may know, we are headed to Aberdeen, Scotland the first week of March, in a couple days actually, for DokeroCon, creating high impact sales and energy. Dokuru is excited to launch its very first sales development conference, and OGGN's Mark and Patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast, so we're really excited to be joining that. The Leaders in Industry Luncheon is on March 11th at the Petroleum Club of Houston. Port of the Future is happening on March 10th and 11th in Houston. Your registration to the Port of the Future conference also allows you access to exclusive events, including TSA Security and Terrorism, Research Showcase, and many more. So be sure to view the agenda and see what they are offering. The Houston Energy Breakfast will be on March 20th at the Norris Conference Center in Houston. The API Energy Houston 3-Gun Chapter will be on March 20th. This event is filling up very quickly, so make sure to get a team in as soon as possible. The BP Energy Outlook 2020 edition will be on April 21st. It's happening online. And this event is about transitions that will take place to a low carbon energy system. That's all for this month, everybody. Hope you guys have a good month and check back in next month to see what events we're having. Thanks. Awesome, thank you. And for all the folks out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, 
I would say come join the Hack and Whack crew this Friday, but unfortunately that's also being delayed. So I'll keep everyone posted on when the next skate will be. But if you are out there and you're interested in playing oil field hockey, hit me up on LinkedIn. I send notifications out, you know, once a week and we play at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. So uh, hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And, you know, folks, again, just be safe out there. Wash your hands. And just always be willing to give more than you take because karma's for real and uh, everyone's going to get through this. I can promise you. Thanks again for joining me today. Yeah, it's been an absolute you, pleasure. Jesse. You coming out and risking, you know, just due, due to the circumstances coming and meeting with me. What's the best way for people to reach out to the group at Tactical or just to get to know more about the company? So you can go to our website, which is www.tacticalofc.com. Cool. Um, or you can also email info at tacticalofc.com. Okay. Or you can reach out to me directly. So it's chris.ariola Perfect. tacticalofc.com. Excellent. And if you don't mind, whenever you get a chance, send me all the links that you'd like for me to put okay. into the show notes, and that'll make it easier for, for people. Sure. They can just scroll and click, and away they go. Well, anyways, everyone out there, thanks again. Chris, much appreciated. Hey, and always remember, when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Ooh-wee. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com. <laughs>